Welcome to today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are so blessed by your presence, and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. Well, good morning, friends. So here I am. <laughs> so, first of all, I should probably say, I'm Erica Maxey. I'm not the pastor here at Community Brookside. <laughs> Matt is out of town, so uh, we're glad that they're getting some time away and uh, visiting with family and stuff. So, be praying for them. They'll be traveling back later this week. Um, <clears throat> so, I, I will give you a little bit of a background on me. Um, I have not always been in ministry. So I have worked in dentistry for about 20, I'm just going to say 20 plus years. So that way it doesn't age me too well, too much. Um, so yeah, so I've, I've worked in, in the dental field for 20 plus years and uh, I have been married for almost 24 years. I have two girls. Uh, I'm glad my husband and my daughter are here today. So that's exciting for me. Um, when Matt asked me to, to, to do this this morning, first I panicked because I was terrified. And then I thought, okay, okay, you know. And usually during the week, we'll sit down and we'll talk through sermon stuff uh, for upcoming sermon series and, you know, just kind of what we're doing. And uh, the last few weeks, we have been talking about fear. And so I got to thinking about a, a book that I had read quite a while back called Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Anyway, he's, he's got some stuff in there about, you know, God being like a dentist and stuff. And so, you see where I'm going with that? Just kind of just clicked. So, anyway, um, <clears throat> in his book, uh, he has a metaphor where he's talking about God being, being a dentist. And he says, uh, when he was a child and had a toothache, he debated whether or not he really wanted to tell his mom. However, usually he wouldn't tell her until the pain was so unbearable that he almost couldn't take it. And he had to. He did this because, one, he knew if he, if he told her about the pain, she would give him something to relieve that pain, and he, he'd be good. He could sleep. But on the other hand, when he told her, she would make him a dental appointment and take him to the dentist, and that's where his hesitation came because uh, if, if, if they would just take care of the, the tooth or the problem, it would be fine. But uh, he knew that wouldn't happen because the dentist would get in there and he would start messing around with other things, things that, you know, that he didn't ask be messed with, you know? I mean, really, I'm going to be honest with you. Who likes going to the dentist? I've heard, oh, you guys. I can't tell you how many times people are like, I would rather be, like, in surgery than at the dentist. You know what I mean? So anyway. Um, Anyway, he says, I couldn't get what I wanted out of her without getting something more something which I didn't want. I wanted immediate relief from the pain, and I couldn't get that without the dentist getting in there and not only taking care of not just the one tooth that was causing all the pain, but he would get in there, start messing with other things. Give the dentist an inch, and he will take a mile. So he says that you know, God is like, like a dentist, and he says we go to him because of a certain pain or a struggle or a sin or something that we're dealing with, And uh, that's really kind of all we want him to take care of. So uh, while God will definitely take care of that, when we invite him in to take care of that, he doesn't stop there. It's kind of like give give God an inch. He's going to go further, which is not a bad thing. So um, he begins working on areas of our lives 
the areas that, uh, that we didn't ask for, the areas that we asked for. You want pain relief? He wants to set things straight. So we are warned the cost of, I think I just repeated that, sorry. Um, we're, we're warned, Jesus warns us about the cost of following him. So we're going we're gonna to take a look at some scripture here. This is Luke 14, 25 through 33. It's going to be up on the screen for you. Talks about the cost of being a disciple. It says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Okay, I want to stop there because hate's a pretty strong word. But it, it, they're, he's making a point there. Jesus wants us to love him first. He wants us to put him above our spouse, above our families, above our friends. So when he says hate, it's not like a, a rage hate. It's put me first. Okay? And then he goes on to say, And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish it. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. So <clears throat> when we begin to follow Jesus, what we're signing up for is a journey. It's a life-transforming journey, and it's a process. So God will go to work in areas of our lives and he'll smooth away our roughness and he'll take away pains. And um, he, work, he just continues working away in our lives with the goal that one day we're going to be perfect, which sounds fantastic. But while that sounds amazing, it can also put a fear in us, a fear that we're not good enough, a fear of being pushed out of our comfort zones, a fear of completely turning over control and surrendering our lives to God. Am I right? I mean, comfort zone. Love my comfort zone. Um, <clears throat> anyway, while it's easy to say we want God to be in control, like I said, it's an entirely different thing to give up that control. Although this transformation process doesn't happen overnight, the great thing is, is that God is not in a hurry with us. God's timing and his plan for us is perfect if we allow, we'll allow him to work. Lewis goes on to say also in his book that in the long run, God will be satisfied with nothing less than absolute perfection. Now, if we stop right there, that also sounds terrifying because uh, I'm not perfect. I don't think any of us are perfect. And uh, anyway, that's just, that's just scary. Um, but it also goes on to say that God will be also be excited with the first feeble efforts that we begin to make tomorrow. We know from Scripture that uh, God wants our best, but at the same time, He offers us grace to continually do better. Again, thank goodness for that, because I fail daily. Not going to lie. Um, so let's look at some more Scripture. And in the Scripture, we're, uh, the Scripture we're going to be looking at how the Israelites 
situation is somewhat similar to that of C.S. Lewis and his toothache story. So we're going to look at Exodus 2, verses 23 through 25, and again, it'll be up on the screen. It says, During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on, to, on the Israelites and was concerned about them. We're just going to go ahead and skip Isaac. We're going to go on to Exodus 3, 7 through 10. And in this, he's talk, God is talking to Moses. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have, seen, I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to the Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. See, the Israelites cried out to God while they were slaves in Egypt. So God sent Moses, led them out of Egypt. So Moses alleviated their suffering. He led them out and through the wilderness where he didn't make it in land of milk and honey. He died at the edge of it. So after Moses died, God summoned Joshua, who was basically Moses' second in command, and told him that he would lead the Israelites into the promised land, and he did. And in that time, Joshua brought peace and stability to the Israelites, or to the Egyptians. It should be Israelites. Sometimes your fingers type faster than your brain. Did you see that? Thank you. So, um, Anyway, so we're going to go on and we will read uh, Joshua 24, 1 through 3. Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I'm going to move on. Joshua 24, 14 through 15. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So when we serve other things other than God, that's all we get. If we're chasing wealth, wealth, status, power, any of that stuff, that's all we're going to get. It's going to leave us desiring more. That's why you're constantly chasing it. There's not that peace that only we can get from God. So I debated on this scripture or not, but I'm going to go ahead and read it. It's Joshua 23, 6. He says, Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning to the left or right. 
So now at this point, Joshua is pretty old. His time is about up. So he gathers everyone and he asks them to remember and to reflect on all that God has done for them. So then he challenges them to choose who they will serve. See, God not only delivered them from slavery, he fixed their ache, but God wants more. God doesn't just want Israel to choose him as a nation, but he wants each and every household, every man, woman, child, to choose him and to choose everything that goes with that. It's a life change, the transformation. So they were okay with him getting them out of slavery and leading them through the wilderness and into the promised land. But now they're like, oh, wait a minute, God. You're messing where you shouldn't be. We didn't ask for this. Maybe you should stay in the tabernacle where you belong because this is my house. Comfort zone. So (laughs) this is somewhat somewhat relatable for us today. And uh, as I was working through this, Please don't be offended because not, not everybody is like this, but it is relatable for us today. We're very good with compartmentalizing our faith. You know, we, uh, we're in God's house, church, we're, you know, inside a building. Whether we're inside the building or we're outside doing something. When we're gathered with our church people, it's all good because we're here, we're together, we're surrounded by people who have this, the same goal, the same position of, of moving forward in faith. And uh, so it makes it easier for us for us to do, right? So we keep our, our church lives over here, and it's kind of separate from other parts of our lives. So then we have our private life, our, our households. And uh, if your church life sometimes begins, you know, encroaching on your personal life, it, it gets in our personal space. And again, this, you know, not... At one point or another, we've all struggled with that, you know, staying in line. So let me, let me put this into reference. So uh, actually, I already just did it. But, <laughs> but when we say that, when we say, all right, when our life aligns up with what God has for us, there's, there's some requirements. While when we decide to choose God and to follow him, and we know that it's going to be full of wonderful blessings and, you know, He'll help us through our, our suffering and, and whatnot. But also it comes with some things. Remember, there's cost for following him. So it might mean that we have to give up some things. So video games, if you do that. Less TV, you know, less Netflix binging or whatever it is that you, you know, you're watching. Um, anything that's, that's somewhat distracting, okay? We might have to start doing other things. In fact, I'm going to take out the mic. We have to start doing other things if we're going to begin to follow where we're being led, what God has for us. We're going to have to be more hospitable. We might have to be honest. Uh, let others see that, that we're not perfect. And I want to talk about this for just a second because this, for me, is, is really something that I think is important in church. So before I came full-time here, I worked at a church in East Broken Arrow where Matt came from, and I was the director of missions and outreach for a long time. And I have to tell you guys, it is so important that we are authentic in our walk because so many people are intimidated by Christians or feel like we're hypocrites or 
you know, I mean, there's so many different opinions, but it is important for us to be authentic in, our, in where we are in our, in our faith, in our journey. Because when other people see, oh, you're not perfect, or oh, you struggled with this, or you know what I mean? It makes us relatable. It makes, it makes Christians real. And I just, I think that is so important that we are authentic where we are. Um, it also means constantly inviting people into a relationship with Jesus. Okay, comfort zone again, getting over that fear. Some people are like, I don't, how do you invite somebody into a relationship with Jesus? Sometimes a simple conversation, you know, of what was your life like before you accepted Christ? What's he done in your life? What's the, where are you at now, you know? Um, overcoming that fear, it, you don't have to have a Bible and, you know, beat somebody with it. Simple conversation, simple conversation, you know? I think Matt talked about, what, Bible thumping a few weeks ago or something like that. A simple conversation about your relationship with Jesus can do amazing things. Plant those seeds. Um, it means doing work outside of the church. And while COVID has prevented quite a bit of that, there's still things that we can do. We can reach out to our schools. We can reach out to our neighbors, you know, and we've done that. We did that through the pandemic, thank goodness. So uh, <clears throat> it also means that, again, we're going to have to be willing to give up or remove anything that gets in the way of us truly listening and being obedient to God. So when Matt and I were talking about this, he's like, use an example. Tell a story. So I'm going to share a personal, I'm going to share a story with you guys. So like I said, I worked in the dental field for a long time and loved it. I, I still love it. I, you know, still keep up with it and all that stuff. I haven't, I don't work in that field anymore, obviously. But um, when I begin to feel the tug of like, hey, you know, you should be, you should be doing something else. I really struggled with that like really struggled with that because I had done that for so long. I was in my comfort zone. I wasn't afraid to get in there and do what I needed to do. While I volunteered at church and I had, the church we were at, I had been there for a long time. I served in almost every area um, before I was on staff. And as I started feeling that tug, it was just, it was really a struggle because I thought, I don't know about that. Like I was doing youth with Matt and it was great. We started another, you know, another service stuff through the years. But it was just one of those, like, I kept feeling it. And as I kept feeling that tug, it was more and more powerful. And <laughs> it was just like an internal battle. And I'd say, you know, God, what, what do I need to do? And I knew the answer. But it was, I'm terrified to do this because, one, this will happen. You're standing up in front of a bunch of people having to share, you know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't know if that would happen or not. But here we are. But I really, I really struggle with that. And sometimes when I do that and I'm pushed out of my comfort zone, I panic. Just like when Matt was like, hey, let me ask you if you'll do the message on the 17th because I won't be there. You know, or, hey, come to camp with me. Oh, my gosh, there's a story. The first time we ever went to camp, like I had done youth and was fine with our kids at home, but you bring kids from all over Oklahoma and I'm going away for a week. <laughs> what? I'm freaking out. Was, and, and freaking out for me is like not just sweating and tears. And I mean, it's short-tempered. It's, I mean, it's yelling. It's 
poor Jason and Hannah. I mean, and poor Matt. Matt suffered on the car ride down there. And Jason, oh my gosh, just, I, I literally freak out. I won't demonstrate for you now. But anyway, but I will tell you that once I really prayed through that and, and decided, okay, you know, they say let go and let God. Once I gave up that control and I started making decisions and making those, those changes, my dentistry took a backseat and my passion to be in ministry really took over. And once I completely made that decision, I cannot tell you the peace that overcame me. And, and, and honestly, the, way, the best way I can describe it is that my heart was bursting with an incredible joy. Like I love being in the church. I love connecting people and doing ministry stuff, you know? And I love having a relationship with Jesus. I don't always get it right, but when you overcome that fear and you let go, it's amazing things that happen and the peace, you know? So, yeah. So far, not, not melting down up here, at least. So we're, we're all good. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, listening and, and being obedient. We'll move on. Uh, it means living a life that is aligned with what we say we believe. It means being more vulnerable and honest, and therefore we have the ability to get past things that can really hold us back. Um, after Lewis challenges us to count the cost, he offers another metaphor of the work God does in us. I like this. I like this one. So it says, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, you can understand what he's doing. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's getting drains right, and he's stopping leaks in the roof. He's fixing creaky stairs and, and so on. He's fixing all the problems that you knew about, the jobs that needed being done, and so it doesn't surprise you. But then he starts knocking about the house in a way that hurts and is uncomfortable, and it doesn't really seem to make sense to us. It makes us ask the question, what on earth is he up to? So the explanation is this. He's building quite a different house from the one you thought of. He's throwing out new wings here. He's adding floor here. He's adding incredible gardens. Just envision, like, and you can't even really put it into words because that's how God works. He's limitless. But uh, basically, you thought you were going to be transformed into a decent little cottage and your little problems were going to be fixed, and God is turning you into a palace, a palace that he is coming to live in. I love that. Because, see, God doesn't give us what we intend for ourselves, but he gives us what he intends for us. So while we would be content with the cottage, God wants to give us so much more if, we will just, if we'll just let him. You know? So uh, one thing I, I thought of as kind of reading through some of this stuff is think of Abraham. He had no kids, wanted a kid, and wound up being the father of many nations. You know? It's amazing that we can think inside the box, but when we think of God, we've got we've to let go of that fear and let him do his thing, right? So anyway, that's what I got. So let's, uh, you know, let's, let's go ahead and let's get ready to come back into worship. Um, you guys, just the investment and the work that God will do in us if we just let him is just amazing. So let's, uh, you know what, let, let's say a prayer. Let's pray. Gracious God, we, we thank you for our time together this morning. And just, I just ask that as we come back to worship, that we, just, that we are just quiet and we are settled. 
and that, uh, Lord, just move in this space. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Community Cast. We hope that you were blessed by today's conversation. If you'd like to know more about Community Brookside, please feel free to visit us at our website, communitybrookside.com, or find us on your favorite social media outlet. We hope to hear from you soon. Be blessed.